Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey, 12th, uh, we're back again. And I'm excited because this is like revenge day, Jordan. I'm in the driver's seat. <laughs> I get to take this where I want it to go. I get to- Revenge, you act yeah. like I, I hammer you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I always love doing it with you. So, uh, but it's just my chance to be in the driver's seat and you show are. why you belong in the driver's seat, actually. You are in the driver's seat. We're all just along for the ride today, Garen, yeah. with you. But good job. Um, you know, this, this topic, I ran into this in my sabbatical in 2016, George Bujakli presented this for me. And it was really big in me realizing how much I lived in a cycle of works and ministry. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was big for me. And that's why, you know, we did it about a year and a half ago with staff. So, you know, we talked about the origin of cycle of grace, but like, has it been published in a book somewhere? Uh-huh. Or? There is a little book, but it's like hardly known. So not anybody. a lot of people probably know about the cycle. Yeah, of grace, it's maybe. I had never heard of it, which is know. so weird because this seems like day one stuff for following yes. Jesus. Yeah, I think for anybody who follows Jesus, I think people in ministry. I wish somebody had shared this with me when I started ministry, not when I'm 25 years in and I'm doing a sabbatical because I'm I've run out of fuel. Yeah, because I've been living a cycle of works a lot. Right. Yeah. So this was really big. So. I think you must have been really sinful and evil. To oh, I was, yeah. For, I was here. like for 25 years, like I was. Wow. I thought you loved yeah. Jesus, man. Why would you do that? <laughs> Why would you do that? Garen? I know it's just horrible. <laughs> so what, yeah, I know what for me is the big, um, the big why is, you know, when we did it as a staff, cause I just had personally experienced it. And but what for you is the big why behind this? Why is this so important to you? Did you feel like? Why is it so important? Yeah, I that think this get we get this in people's hands and thinking in this oh, way. Oh, okay. Yeah, why this? If we have a Sunday, why would we spend it on this? Right. Maybe two things come to mind right off the bat. One, because just like those missionaries to India, if we are living out a cycle of works, we're going to crash and burn and we're not going to be able to live for Jesus fully. And that's not what Jesus wants for us. He doesn't want people who follow him after him hard and then like crash. Like that doesn't do anybody any good. And then the other thing is probably just that this is what obedience looks like because we as Christians, as little Christ are supposed to model the rhythms of Jesus. Right. And so living in the cycle of grace is actually how we do that well. And whether we realize it or not, when we're living in the cycle of works, we're really living with us at the center of our lives. Right. And so whether we intentionally do it or not, it's not obedient to what Christ would have us do. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's one, because it's good for us, you know, is the reason we need to know about this. And two, just if we want to live in obedience to Jesus, yeah. this is a right. way that we do it. It's part of his yoke that he calls us to. Yeah. Live with me, follow my patterns, yoke yourself to me, and I'll show you the way. And it's it's light. It's good for your soul. It's restful. And this is his yoke. This is the way that he would lead us. 
So let's so let's go back because most of us live. It is human nature to live the cycle of works, right? Right. I'm my f- primary focus is what am I doing? What am I? You know, get her done. Achievement that makes me feel significant. That's my food, and then I'm living for acceptance, which we'll kind of come back to the acceptance in a minute. But what? Let, let's talk. You hit a couple of things, but what in our culture really drives us this way? I think in Western culture, we struggle with this even more than people in other places. Like what? What do you feel like in our culture drives us to this starting with achievement mentality? Well, it's maybe it's just the fact that we live in America and we feel like we have to earn everything. Yep. I mean, it, humans feel like that. Right. Humans in this, do. In this country, we earned our freedom. We earn a paycheck. Yep. You know, we go out and we are the best and we get it done and we innovate and we are efficient. Hardworking culture. Hardworking, right? especially here in the Midwest. Yeah, Hardworking Midwest. culture. Pull yourself up yep. by your bootstraps. Right. Don't let anybody give you anything for free. And so yes. that is so toxic for yeah. spirituality. Right. So you just said our sinful nature is crying for this, right? Yeah. I want it to be about you. You're the one doing it. And then our culture just piles on top oh, of that, yeah, right? Big time. So that... We really and not just culture, but like not just our country culture, but even here in the Midwest. Like, if you're a good person, that's what you do. Yeah. If you're a hardworking person, that's what you do. So it's almost like this guilty thing. Like, if you're not doing that, then you're yeah. lazy or you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Yep. So this this achievement thing is really, man. There's just so much tugging at us on that. So just a quicker. We don't want to spend a ton of time, but so let's hit significance. So okay. I, I'm I'm working my my rear off. I almost said that a little bit differently, but I'm working my rear off, achieving, working hard, and like, what's this? How's the significance fit? Yeah, into I that? feel what's, significant because of all the roles that I play. Right, like I'm a life group leader. I'm a youth pastor. I'm someone that people come to and they need advice. Um, people respect my words of wisdom when they come to me and they're in trouble and you know, Jordan, I need, I need to know what you would say about this. Like, that's my significance. It's, it's what I do. It's what people say about me. Yeah. It's my busy schedule. Yeah. Man, I got something right. going on every night of the week because I'm so yes. in demand. Right. And that is my source of identity and that's my source of value. Yeah. Yep. And then, so from there, then that's what feeds me sustenance. Like that's my food. You talked about the cisterns, which is good. Jeremiah too. Like, so how does this become my food? How is this what So yeah, the significance, me? like I am significant because of those things. And then the good feelings that I get off of that is what sustains yeah, me. Yeah, that's what feeds, so feeds I'm, you. So I'm busy and so I'm significant because I'm busy. But then like the good feelings I get from that busyness, the good feelings I get from someone needing my advice or, um, you know, giving me their approval for something like the good feelings that get churned up because of that is what keeps me going. It's like it feeds that serotonin hit and yeah. I got to do more and more and more to yeah. try and chase that. And as you said, that that's an empty cistern. That's a cracked cistern, That's a right? cracked cistern, and yeah. it will never... Well, for one, it's feeding us bad water. Okay, bad it's water. it's making us sick. Yeah, like salt don't... water, that book when we exactly. did Idolatry. Exactly. I'm drinking salt water. So for one, we're not even being quenched. And for two, we got to keep filling it up because it's cracked and it's leaking out. It's like my ego is broken. Yeah. Like in... Uh, um, what, what am I trying to say? Self-forgetfulness. Yeah, the, the freedom, right. In Keller's freedom of self-forgetfulness, the ego is broken. And so it constantly needs to be rebuilt yep. up. And it's the same thing with yep. this broken cistern. Like if I'm getting my sustenance from something that's broken, I've got to keep, it's like filling, filling, filling because it's draining at the bottom and it's just tireless. Yeah. Tireless work. And so kind of the end game of all of this is then my acceptance comes from all of so that. So when I do all this stuff right, yeah, then I feel good. 
because I've got the good feelings and I got people saying the right things about me and I feel like I've earned it. Yep. That's one of the, I mean, truthfully, maybe there's something wrong in that. You always talk about how like, I really enjoy lawn work and you kind of hate it. There's like nothing like, especially in the summertime, maybe it's like 8, 8.30 at night, the sun's starting to go down and you've just worked a whole day in the yard and the yard looks really good and you just sit on your porch and look at it. To me, like, oh, I'm just basking in the good feelings of like, yeah, we did that and I worked yeah. so hard today. And some of that is good. Yeah, some of that's good. But, We're wired. But to, that's the, but like, there's a, there's a little note of that in this yes, too. Like right. you sit back and look at what you've done and just think, oh, I yeah, did it. I feel so good and, about it. But tomorrow's a new day and yeah. you got to do it all over again. Yep. So. And so one thing I want to pr- not push on, I want to talk more about, you talked a lot about when you did this, the approval we get from people. Do not also a lot of Christians think that if this is the way I live my Christian life and then when I've worked my rear off, I've achieved, I've worked to be significant. Then God goes, hey, he applauds me. Yeah. Now he smiles at me. Right. Now he's happy with me. So let's talk a minute about that. Like, because I struggled with this for a long time that my God's approval of me came out of how hard I worked and how much I did for him. Yeah. So let's talk about you're that. Not with that, God, yeah. you're working you're, for, you're working him, for right? him. That whole performance spirituality that I think yeah. so many people get sucked in. Well, talk. Let's talk a little bit about that. What What do you want? What would you say about I mean, that? Once again, it's just naturally how we are as humans. And I talked about how my kids do that for me. They work hard doing goofy stuff, or they Jet will try and make like so many baskets in a row to earn my smile, to earn my attaboy. And it's like we do that with our heavenly Father all the time. Yep, right. and it's just really natural to want to do that even though um, we don't have to earn his smile. You talked about that. I don't remember how long ago, but remember you talked about not earning his smile yes. in the message? Yeah, when I did the identity series. And I remember you coming back that next week <clears throat> at staff meeting and being like, that hit a lot of people. Like a lot of people have reached out and said that was really significant. I think that we all feel that on some level, we're all trying to earn God's smile. And it's just hard for us to believe that he likes us. Yes, that he li- actually likes us. Because we know that he loves us because he has to. But does he really like me? Would yeah. he really want to hang out with me? Yeah. And it's a resounding yes. And so we don't have to try and earn that spot with him. It's just freely given to us. Yeah. I wonder how much of this, even this performance with God is shaped by our upbringing. I mean, we, we had a parent, a father or a parent or both parents who we felt like were only happy with us when we performed rightly. Yeah. And that whole, that formed our view of God. So we're still living with um, an upbringing that trained us this way. Um, So let me ask you, what are, you, you hit a couple of them, but let's go even deeper into, what are the signs that this is, I'm living out of a cycle of works. Oh man. What you hit, I think, I think you hit busyness. Right. Yeah. So you'll, You'll be packing. Yeah. Waging war against your finiteness, which yeah. I think I forgot to say in, in first service, but. You did hit it briefly, but yeah, say. We are waging war against our finiteness as far as, I think it was significance or maybe no sustenance. In sustenance, yeah, we are, we are limited beings. And so we don't like that. And so we try and do it all and be it all. And it's just exhausting to try and do that. And in reality, we were never made for that. Yeah. Um, so that is one telltale sign is, is, does it bother me that I can't do it all? And am I trying to, you know, be all things to all people all the time? And does it really irk me when I can't do everything? Yeah. Right. So that's one telltale yep. sign. Yep. I think guilt and shame very much so that if you're living in this way, you can never do enough. So you're constantly feeling guilty. I yeah. could have done one more thing or, or I should have done that different because the focus is on achievement. 
and results, like the results we get from it. And I think the shame also comes in like, ah, oh, man, I'm not good enough. Look, I, uh, I didn't achieve, you know, it was only an 80% of what I could have done a hundred or results were what I expected. Yeah. And I said, so I think guilt and shame are clear signs that you're living in this. Yeah. Maybe an inability or maybe not. I shouldn't say that. Maybe, um, like when you rest, maybe because someone has told you, you need to, it just feels like a waste of time. Yeah. And you just can't sit there and rest because you're like, oh, uh, think of all the things I could yep. be doing right now. Feel guilty resting. Yeah, I think so. Um, but there's there's hints of good in all that stuff too, yeah, right? Yeah, there's, right. And I think that's where the pushback <clears throat> would, would come from people if they were going to push back on this. And they would say, well, I'm supposed to work hard or I'm not supposed to rest all the time or I am supposed to care about the quality of my work, yeah, you know? right. But, so what would you say? You just did your own pushback. Like, so people are like, so what you said yesterday, like, we just don't do anything. I just like yeah. sit and bask in God and he accepts me, sustains me and significant. And well, man, that's just like, I just sit home and pray all day yeah. or. Well, your predecessor, the great Al Earhart, one of the things he said that I've latched onto is that almost everything, it must be held in tension. There's very few things in life that should be all in or, or, or all yeah. out. Right. Like almost everything, especially in spiritual life, should be held in tension. This is just one of those things yeah. where, yeah, we're supposed to work hard. Yeah, we're supposed to shoot for excellence. We're supposed to do everything as if it was for God himself, right? Yes. And so we should care about how much we work and how hard we work and the quality of our work. But at the same time, like we said yesterday, it's not about what I do, but probably why I do it that matters yeah. more. It's that question of why are you doing this? Is it to feed your ego or to um, curb your guilt? about not being good enough or is it because you're working hard for God's glory and you are already found in him and this is just the result of, of being loved by him. Like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Yeah. So it's probably not about what you do so much as right. why you do it. Yep. And I also think the starting point, which you, you know, on the, this sheet, on the slide you had, one is starting with what I'm doing. The other, which we can get there right now. The other is what I'm starting with is just time with God. Yeah. Not for God. We, we did that as a staff, that book, but the, the most important thing in my life is my with time. And so prayer, time in the word are my starting point, not what am I got to do today? Yeah. And so the starting point's different. So let's, let's hit that. So the, the starting point of the cycle of grace is we start with acceptance and how's that work? I mean, that, that has to do with identity. So talk yeah. about that some more. Yeah. I mean, this is, patterned after the life rhythm of Jesus. And so in Jesus, before he starts his ministry, we see his baptism and we see the father affirm who he is. And Jesus knows that. And so everything he does from there is out of his identity in, in the father. And so it's the same for us. Yeah. That every good thing we've got, we're doing and every, um, yeah, every strategy we make for the kingdom and every, every effort we make, it is an overflow of my identity in Christ. I am God's child. And so I am not trying to earn my significance. I'm working from it. Like I've already got it. And so this is just what is naturally happening yeah. through me. And you talked about that this is about being and not doing. And so really it's like my day is starting in a being mode, not a doing mode. Yeah, starting in being mode and all everything, everything that's subsequent that happens after this, it's all a result of abiding in the presence of Jesus. Yes, that abiding is big. And so we are abiding with him. And when you're in the presence of Jesus, you're not going to just sit and be a bump on a log. You can't be. Like when you're spending time with him and you're, you're getting to know his heart for the lost yeah. and for the coming kingdom, you just got to be a part of it. And so nobody, 
nobody has a healthy, quiet time with Jesus and then just sits there and says, well, I think I'll just do more of this for eight more hours. Yeah. I think I'll just not do anything ever. You know, it's like, that's, that's naturally being around him is you're going to do that and then you're going to want to go. And the end result of this, of this abiding is fruitfulness. And that this really comes out of John 15, that if you abide me and I abide you, you will bear much fruit. And so that is the reality, but it's the, that acceptance first. Jordan, to me, that whole identity series was to try to ground us as a body in this acceptance part of the cycle of grace. Mm. And I feel like I'm going to, I mean, I, I know them generally, the statements. I just encourage people daily that I am a child. I'm a beloved child of the living God, that um, the spirit of God lives in me. I am the house of God, that that's who I am, that I'm a citizen of God's unshakable kingdom. And I'm destined to share, for Jesus to share his eternal glory with me, that to me, that daily statements of who, so I'm with God at the beginning of my day. I'm being, I'm walking, I know I'm talking to him. I'm praying. I'm doing my Lectio 365. I'm in the Psalms right now. And this reminder of my identity is here. To me, that's that acceptance. It's every day starting out. Who am I in my being, not in my doing? And then you get up there from the doing. So, okay. So we start with the acceptance, which is all about identity. Yeah. And his acceptance of me, that he's smiling on me. You just said it, but let's hit it again. He likes me before I've even accomplished anything today. Is that true? Like, right. Or it's only he likes me at the end of the day based upon how I did that day. Yeah, he likes me just because of who I am. And how you said it there was really succinct and really good that being has to come before doing in our day. That if we get it wrong, and I mean, that's basically everything I said in that 35 minutes boiled down. If doing comes before being, then you're trying to earn it and you're going to burn out. Yeah. But if being comes before doing, then it's going to be fruitfulness and it's going to be natural and it's going to last for a yeah. long time. So, and that's so. why, and I'm not going to be legalistic about this, but from the very beginning, I was told by my mentors, like, it's really easy to say, man, I'll just put my quiet time off to the end of the day. And everybody's life's a little different, but you say, man, you've got to start with him and your identity and him. And I really feel that's true. So let's, this acceptance to sustenance, then what, then what becomes my bread? Well, what if I do my quiet time so late that it's actually at like 12? Oh, that it's actually, you're, you're kind of. So like 12.05 in the morning, <laughs> I start it. And then I technically, is that? Technically. Yeah, technically. That that's what God cares about, the technicalities, right? <laughs> he's looking at the clock in heaven like, oh, I guess technically he started his day with it. Okay, yeah. sorry. You were no, going to say this, something The sustenance and, part, so. You know, when you preached on this yesterday, the, that statement of Jesus that my bread, my daily bread yeah. is the word of God. Right. Or, yeah. So um, talk about the sustenance. Like, so I'm starting with my identity. What, what is it that's feeding my yeah. soul in this cycle in of grace? cycle of grace, my sustenance is something that will never change, which is God's character, God's word, the disciplines that lead me to him. Those are things that are not going to change through duty and delight. My disciplines stay the same. Yeah. God's character will not change. My time with him will not change. If I choose to make my sustenance things that are temporal and that are subject to change, then, you know, the quality of my food is going to change because when times are good, I might be okay living off good feelings. But what happens when I have a bad day or something bad happens or I have a crisis of faith or, you know, I can't feel God anymore. So I'm not feeling it. And what do I, what's my food that day going to be? So you just got to feed on something that's going to be constant. Yeah. Right. Whether it feels it or not, you right. just that's just your habit. Yeah. We, you and I talked about undulating like three years ago, almost four now. Uh, this thing, it's going to be up and down. You're going to have highs and lows, good days, bad days, but you just hang in there, being in the word, yeah. claiming your identity. 
So then significance in this one comes from, um, I think this is where you were talking about like Jesus, I am statements. It's like, right. I'm significant because of. Yeah. His significance came from who God told him he was, <clears throat> not what others told him or what he could do on his own. Yeah. And so those seven I am statements, he just, he tells us over and over and over, this is who I am. And this is the identity that I'm working out of. And it's an identity given to me by the father. And so everything I do is an overflow from yeah. this. My significance is not, oh, I just walked on water. That's super cool. Okay. I'm awesome because I did that. Yeah. Like he was so rooted in God's identity uh, that, you know, that stuff was just, it was happening. And, yeah. But even if it didn't happen, you know, uh, it, it's not like he ceased to be, you know, Jesus because his identity right. wasn't rooted in anything that he did. Yeah. It was who he was. Yep. I am a child of God. That just is the reality. That's my significance. Or statements like Jesus says, you know, I am the salt of the world. I'm salt of the earth. I'm the light of the world. Like he makes statements about people who follow him. I'm a saint. Even though I don't feel like it, I feel like a sinner. These are like statements of significance that really need to, that I need to lean into. So then... If I'm living this one, then the end result is, again, it's not that we do nothing, mm -hmm. but it's it's different than just me starting the day and I'm just going to achieve a lot. Yeah. The word is not achievement, but is, for this last one, is... Fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. Yep. Because achievement can be conjured up by yourself. You, It can be a solo endeavor, but fruitfulness depends on the, the plant. It depends on the vine, yeah. on the branch, right? Yes. And right. So, I am connected to it and it is growing through me and happening through yep. me, but I'm not the maker of it. So this is God living through me. Living through me. And this and, would be, go ahead. And the fruit of that is going to be bigger than anything I could make myself. Yeah. Yes. I could achieve some really great things, but when God is fruitful through me, that fruit multiplies and it's going to end up being much bigger and more significant than anything yeah. I could do solo. Yep. And this is being attached to the spring of living water. Right. And I'm just over, as I'm filled, then I overflow yeah, right. in fruitfulness. And I mean, the, I love the fruitfulness word because so much of scripture in the Old Testament, in the New, is organic. And it, it calls us like trees of like trees by planted by streams. It uses a lot of organic metaphors, yeah. which is all about fruitfulness. I mean, the fruit of the spirit. It's that if I'm connected by him, like I'm like a tree and his fruit. So yeah. this really is a biblical way of thinking about what we do, right? Yeah. And then also when I'm being fruitful, you know, I can endure those hard spiritual times because I'm not feeding off of my feeling, am I close to God or yeah. not? Or am I seeing spiritual uh, progress or am I, you know, whatever. It's like my identity is in something so much deeper that I can weather those spiritual storms and I can also embrace my weaknesses because I'm, my, my identity is not based on how well I feel that I did or how much I did, um, but it's on something deeper. So when I mess up, it doesn't hit me at that heart level. Yeah. One more thing I want to hit. I think you can feel when you're around a person, you can feel they're either performance oriented oh. or they're grace oriented. Yeah. They're like, you got to live up to their stand and you just, it just feels, there's a feeling like yes. I never live up to them or I'm not good enough. Or there's a feeling of like, man, they're just, they do stuff, but there's kind of a chill to them or a, um, I, I think this hits us in everything in every area of life. I think it hits us in parenting. So what's a person going to feel like that is living the cycle of works and really their life is performance oriented. 
How are they going to feel to people? What I don't know. I kind of just said it. When they're performance Yeah, oriented. when they're that cycle of works, it's all about performance. Yeah, you, they're going to have their guard up around you and they're going to always be on and they're going to always be making sure that they're putting their best foot forward, <clears throat> not showing you any weakness probably because it's not about that. It's about being good and being right and doing the right things. And um, how will they impact the people too around them? If you're around a person that's a cycle of works or performance, what do people... F- like, how do they affect the people around them? I mean, they might get some really good results out of people initially just because they want to perform well, but it's probably not going to be long lasting and it's probably not going to be multiplying Yeah, because you're not concerned with the fruit of others or the success of others. You're really focused on yourself and I've got to make sure that I'm performing for my own pre- self-preservation. Yeah. That would be my thought. Yeah. I think if I'm around performance-oriented people, and I have been at various times in my life, I've been that way. You, people feel around you like you can't be good enough. Sure. There's always like, yeah, it's not perfect enough. That wasn't enough. Like that, just enough, enough. If you're around a person like that, you're just like, I never feel enough. So. Karen, can you share? Because you have referenced that you used to be more works, cycle of works based than you are now. So can you tell us, A, what was that like? And would we like that, Garen? And B, when was your road to Damascus moment where the, maybe, I don't know if a light bulb went on or someone talked to you or what, but you kind of switched over. And so how is your life different since then? A couple of things. I think my journey, starting to learn about my identity in Christ, which I never knew at the beginning of my walk with God, was huge because it helped starting to shift me towards this understanding of my values and my acceptance in him. So that was a big one. That's why I did that whole identity series. Then it was, and I think my sabbaticals, I came to that, man. I was just worn out on the verge of burnout for 25 years of just running hard, 2016. 2016, okay. 26 years of just pushing it continually. And um, just, yeah, just like, man, the guilt, just all those feelings being overly tired and Hmm. too much. But what I know is, is, you know, people would applaud you and they'd be like, man, you're a hard worker. You get a lot of results. And it wasn't that God wasn't in it. I mean, there were times I was living, I didn't know this, but I was living out of my identity and I was walking with him. So it wasn't like a total, yeah. but that kind of wasn't my orientation. So you get a lot of kudos, but I also think people that are around you probably have a sense of like, man, there's high expectations from him or whatever. I think as a parent, very much so, if you're living the cycle of of works, your kids get this, like the the signal they're getting all the time is like, they just got to perform. They got to measure up all the time. And you never probably said that to them. Never said it. But just the rhythm of your life maybe communicated that to them. Yeah. And, And I was parented that way by one parent. And, you know, I always was trying, even though I didn't have these words, I was trying to be a graceful parent, but I, you know, you live in the cycle of works and that can't help but overflow somewhat. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then when you kind of work through that, you're like, man, I just, in the sabbatical, whoa, I, this was a big deal. And so I read did, a lot of other stuff. Can I ask you, so 2016, you were nearing burnout. And then is that the same year you took that sabbatical? Yeah, that was the year. So what convinced you to do that after 25 years? Because I, I knew I, I desperately needed it. I was just so worn out, okay. so tired. I was afraid. Yeah. Emotionally, I just, I didn't have much to give. Had people come to you in the past and just said, hey, you know, you should take a break or you, and you were just too busy or what? Or like, yeah, why, just did, always why didn't too you busy. do it before? Just too much. There was always, there's always souls. There's always somebody else to do a Bible study. There's always, yeah. 
some another Bible say there's a new seeker. There's somebody new seeking the Lord, and uh-huh. you don't have a volunteer, so you're doing it. That's what it was for me, as I just was, you know, you'd see all these people around you that needed a Bible study or something, and you know, your, your volunteers, you're you're they're they're doing what they're doing. Like, okay, I'll add it because I can't. I'm not going to let them sit there. Yeah, and not find the Lord. And probably so, some guilt in that. Like, oh, oh yeah, guilt I, I have got to come yep, through on this. I've got to do me this. or nobody. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So. A lot of that. And, and what did your sabbatical look like in 2016? It was just, uh, it was a lot of time alone with the Lord for me digging in, like, what are my motivators? What are the drivers inside of me? And it was just a lot of figuring out that there was, this was part of it, that there was a, a lot of, you know, achievement orientation, a lot of, you know, proving yourself. Huh. I'd come a long ways and knew that God wasn't a performance God, but there was things in me performance oriented and... Hmm. You know, and I think anybody, when you get to the end of your parenting journey, you always look back and you're like, I just wish I would have been a lot more chill, a lot more grace, mm-hmm. less performance. Yeah, you you want them to do stuff. You want them to do it well and right. But like, I just, you always wish you could be more chill. So I just wonder how many of our parents or us, our kids, the way we parent is a cycle of works and not a cycle of grace. Oh, and man. that they just feel continually, a, yeah, wow, under not under the whip, but they just feel continually like, am I good enough? Am and I not, good enough? Am not, I good once enough? again, not anything we're saying to them, but just <clears throat> what are we communicating by the own rhythm of our lives? Yeah, our lives, and I think if we're living in that cycle of works, it it just oozes it oozes out of us that we expect others to work in that way, yeah, or wow. to live in that okay. way. So, I just think that question, like, how do I come across to people, or how do people perceive me, and when I'm when they're around me, do they feel like they've got to perform? So my approval, more... or do they feel like, you know, I mean, they work hard, but they're kind of chill about it. And there's a, okay, you know, there's like a, a looseness to them. I don't know what the word is. So you're much more aware of that now. And you actually work hard to try and come off that way and really be that way. That yeah. a grace-centered person, not a work-centered Definitely, person. you know, work really hard at the the cycle of grace at living it. Don't always do it. And that's the other thing I was going to ask you. I mean, you and I are perfect at this, right? We don't even know what the circle of work, cycle of works feels like. Yeah, I had to do a lot of reading to figure out what that was about because yeah. I've never been there before. We had talked to a lot of other people and be like, can yeah. you tell me what that looks like? Talk to a lot of sinful people <laughs> and figure out. <laughs> I mean, don't we, Jordan, no, we, yeah, we, you we, talked about drift. We, yeah. All of us, you and I drift. It's not about, and the more we talk about drift, it's like, it's not about avoiding drift because you're never going to avoid drift. But it's just like how to recognize it as early as I yeah, can. Recognize it's like it. early cancer detection. Yeah. Can I can I recognize it early enough that I minimize the effect and get back on track? Because if I let it go for a long time, then by the time I recognize it, it might be too late. And so how do I always have my ears up, like always have my my antenna up, looking and sensing drift and then quickly getting back to the center? Yeah. Because you're never gonna eliminate it this side of heaven. Yep. Am I rushing through like I'm doing my I'm getting my quiet time that time? You know, what I think is my acceptance. I'm just doing that really quick at his feet and I'm running into my day. I mean, that to me is always a sign like I'm getting my priorities messed up. I'm start starting to live like what I do is what's most important, not my being. That's always a sign. So when I start finding that happening, they're shortening up. I'm like, okay. All right. Any other thoughts, Jordan? I think it's a really good, great topic. I'm glad we got it in front of the body. Yeah, I'm glad we did it. I always get a little bit nervous when... I don't teach something that is like perfectly exegetical and perfectly out of the Bible. Like I love teaching topical things because I feel like they are very practical and useful, but it always worries me a little bit. Like I want to stay true to the text. I want to not just be, you know, hopping around. I I like want there to be biblical teeth to it. And so 
I think there is in this. I just hope that I did a good job with that too. Yeah, you did a good job. And that, yeah, even that can be a little bit of a performance orientation. If you get around the right people, you're constantly guilted if you don't do that. Right, but yeah. I'm still thinking next year I'm going to go, I do want to do a series on the Trinity. You, There is no text on the Trinity. There's no, oh, Paul, Ephesians 6, there's five paragraphs in the Trinity. So I'm going to do a five-week series on the five paragraphs because they, you're, you're, you're digging in Scripture and you're finding things here or there. And um, I think this is very biblical, the whole thing of organic metaphors, of being a tree, of abiding in Christ, of works, earning. I mean, this all is so... Sometimes we need to hit topics, I feel like, that are important in people's growth, and but it has the, the aroma of Scripture very right. much so. Yeah. And that's what this did. So you would say that if there are people out there who, I mean, let's just assume everybody who was in the chair yesterday felt touched by this, because I think it's impossible to a human being and not feel touched by it a little bit. But if there's anybody out there who more than that is like, man, I'm in this and I don't even know a way out of it or I just feel overwhelmed with it or it's so scary to think about what it would look like to change. You would be a great resource because you have been on the dark side. The dark side. And so maybe a good way to end is just say, if you were in the seats yesterday or even online or whatever, maybe you listen to this for the first time and you're like, oh man, that's me. But like, I don't even know where to start. Maybe a text to Garen would be. Yeah. I mean, even you, I feel like that identity series I did was all about this. Actually, that was underneath a lot of it. I think maybe go back to that, do stuff on identity. If you don't feel like you know what it's like to spend time with God in the morning, what does that look like? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Talk to any of us. We grab a friend who you feel like walks with God. Or if your life group leader is available. Yes. You know, hitting up your, your life group leader and grabbing coffee with them and sharing this with them too. Yeah. So... All right. Great topic. I think it was important. I'm glad that you did it. And 12th, uh, next week, back to the names of God. And actually next week's name of God really relates to this. So this was a great setup. So I get the for, assist on this one? You get the assist, man. Like this is, this is I, okay, I'm not going to say it's like going to be a dunk, but you, you, this is a great lob. We'll see what I do with it at the rim. I we'll don't know. S- we'll see if you dunk we'll, it. We'll see Sunday what I do at the rim. But, know, the, uh, the white guys, they rarely finish with the dunk. So yeah. he's going to do a really fancy layup when you finish this yeah. one. I'll just kind of <laughs> grab it midair and just kind of throw it up there and hope it goes in. But uh, yeah, this really relates to what we're going to talk about Sunday. So All right. The ball is in the air. Yeah. Waiting for Garen to we'll catch see. it. We'll, we'll see know. what he does. Now the pressure's on. I better perform. All right. I'm Now I'm in a cycle of works for this week. So. I bet it's going to be a dunk and it's going to be an and one. Like Satan's going to try and foul you, but <laughs> you're just going to like dunk it right through it. Yeah. Dude, look at this. We went way long. It's probably because I'm in charge. So, but hey, guys, he, he leads a podcast just like he preaches <laughs> on his own time. <laughs> so, all right. Guys, great having you and uh, look forward to what God's going to be teaching us in the future. See you guys.